It's mostly cloudy and four degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's nine o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra says effective immediately, Canada's airspace is closed to all Russian aircraft operators. Al-Gabra says the move is intended to hold Russia accountable for its unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. While Russia's main airline, Aeroflot, does not operate any flights directly to Canada, it does have several flights per day through Canadian airspace en route to the U.S. and other destinations. Canada is only the latest country to ban Russia's flagship carrier, carrier Aeroflot and other airlines. Several other nations, including the United Kingdom, Poland, Bulgaria and the Czech Republic, have also suspended Aeroflot's foreign carrier permit, while more have said they will follow suit. Russia has banned commercial flights from the UK, Poland, Bulgaria and the Czech Republic in response. Meanwhile, President Vladimir Putin has ordered Russian nuclear forces to be put on high alert in response to what he called aggressive statements by NATO. It means Putin has ordered Russia's nuclear weapons to be prepared for increased readiness to launch, raising the threat the tensions could boil over into nuclear warfare. Speaking to his top officials this morning, Putin said that Western countries aren't only taking unfriendly actions against Russia economically, but that NATO members had made aggressive statements regarding Russia. This comes just hours after Ukraine's president confirmed that officials would be meeting with members of the Russian government. Unexcited Premier Jason Kenney did the expected and announced masks won't be required in public places starting Tuesday, but he did so with a plea to all Albertans. Kenny called for everyone to show respect for one another when it comes to masking. There will be some who will choose to wear a mask or who make choices about their activities based on their own personal risk assessment. And we need to respect those choices, that the choices that individuals make. Step two of Alberta's path back to normal also means the Scotiabank Saddle Dome and other big entertainment centers won't have to limit capacity. The Sea of Red is coming back and the Dome is looking to fill to full capacity when the Flames take on the Montreal Canadiens on March 3rd. Arriving back in Canada is about to get a bit easier for fully vaccinated travellers. Starting tomorrow, the need to get COVID-19 PCR tests before landing in Canada will end. Instead, you'll be able to use a rapid antigen test, but it does need to be administered by a lab or healthcare entity, meaning doing a test at home won't count. Only those randomly selected for a PCR test at the border will have to take one and you won't need to quarantine while waiting for the results. The government is also lifting restrictions for children under 12 who are not fully vaccinated and traveling with fully vaccinated adults, meaning they will no longer need to wait before going to school or daycare. Unvaccinated travelers will continue to be tested upon arrival. Taking a look at sports, Matthew Kachuk and Tyler Toffoli each scored twice and added an assist last night as the Calgary Flames beat the Minnesota Wild 7-3 to tie a franchise record with 11 consecutive wins on home ice. The Flames and the Wild now head to Minnesota to play the second game of the home-and-away series in Minnesota on Tuesday. Three Canadian teams will see NHL action today, and it all starts with a matinee game in Carolina as the Edmonton Oilers take on the Hurricanes. Edmonton snapped a two-game skid with a win over the Panthers yesterday. Later, the Winnipeg Jets visit the Arizona Coyotes and the Vancouver Canucks are in New York to face the Rangers. Global News SkyTracker weather. Clearing throughout the day, wind will pick up later in the afternoon. We'll reach a high of 7 degrees. A few clouds overnight with a low of minus 3. 
and mainly cloudy and four degrees for tomorrow. Sunshine and nine on Tuesday before the snow comes in for Wednesday. A chance of flurries and a high of minus seven. Periods of snow and minus six for Thursday. It's four degrees at 9.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 9.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and we are at the end of February already. This month has just flown by and uh, it's February 27th. And so a couple of days left of this, one one day left. And then we, we head into March. And isn't it usually March comes in like a lamb or leaves like a lion? can't remember the exact saying. But then we're getting real close to the first day of spring coming up on the 21st. So the sick of that, we're only three weeks away, which is pretty exciting. Starting to feel it in the garden center, um, which is exciting. Starting to see lots of seeds going out. We got some spring bowls in, so little daffodils and some of the spring things, some pussy willows. Um, so it's good to start seeing those um, first signs of spring. And if you'd like to join me today, you can call me 403-974-8255. I do have a couple guests today. Uh, Jen and I are going to chat a little bit on the first half hour. And then I have uh, Tracy. He's calling in from Growtronics. And we're going to talk about grow lights and uh, what to use and how to use them and, and maybe how not to use them as well. So that way uh, we don't want to have the ill effects of too much light because some things do need the cycle. So we'll talk about that a bit. And then also we're going to go to the dark side. We're going to go to mushrooms. Um, I have... Jonathan from Foragers Gallery, and those are uh, grow-at-home mushroom kits that we carry down at Spruce It Up. So um, Jonathan, he's the the one of the representatives from there. I, actually, I think he's the owner of the company. He's going to call in, and we're going to chat about how we can grow these mushrooms in your house, which look pretty cool. I'll be honest, like uh, just looking at the at the website and like the the bear's head mushroom kit, the blue oyster, the chestnut, lion's mane, reishi mushrooms, and all supposed to be really good healthy things. These, The more you read about mushrooms, you kind of see that some of the stuff is actually really good for you. Pink oyster, even if you don't eat them. Because sometimes, like I'm, we have one grown at the store, and if sometimes too big of mushrooms, I'm sometimes not a, as big a fan, it seems. Uh, I kind of like the smaller ones, but even if you're just growing them, they look pretty cool. Just have them grow it in your, in your, in your house and that, and then, uh, and eventually you can move them outside as well. So we're going to chat um, with Jonathan about that as well. So, and then anything else that you want to talk about regarding gardening, we have a good little snowfall, which has been good, especially as it warms up, it's going to add that moisture into the ground, which is really, really quite beneficial. And this week is uh, supposed to be quite a warm week and then a bit more snow, which is good. So pile it up around those areas, up against the foundation, a few of those areas in your shrub beds, um, just to help with that slow melt. And it really wasn't a super, super heavy snow, which is kind of nice. Um, so it's a little bit easier to move around. It's not like the early spring one. So uh, if you, if you, 
if you get a chance uh, to do a little snow farming, put those into those areas. And right now, and especially weeks like we get, you can, it's easy to see where your hot spots are because just go out and look and sort of see where the snow is melting the fastest. And that'll tell you exactly where you should put your snow. And then also, if you're looking for somewhere to plant bulbs next fall or even this spring or somewhere where you're going to have a nice hot spot um, for some of those flowers that need that extra warmth, um, those are the areas that uh, can usually take those things. And right now I'm going to bring Jen up. Good morning, Jen. Hey, Merle. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good, good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Um, I did see your uh, you guys' TikTok thing yesterday. The <laughs> I, I, you guys are getting really good. I, I got to admit, I'm actually having some fun watching yeah? it. So if you, get, oh. if you if you want to see some people at the gardens that are having a little <laughs> bit of fun while they're working, <laughs> it is so much fun, and we are totally uh, we, working. We're a garden it. center yeah. still, though, right? We're not a TikTok factory. <laughs> no, not yet, but we're working on it, Merle. No, I All know right. it's it's, uh, it's fun watching the customers kind of watch us do it, and uh, yeah, it's a lot yep. of fun. And, and hopefully too, we're just trying to interact Absolutely. a little more and uh, and show what kind of fun we do have here at the greenhouse. I, so. I really like it because it also brings um, a couple personalities out. Um, I, Liam has joined us. Hello, as a, Liam. As a yeah, <laughs> member of our team, um, and uh, it, it, it it's great. Like he's a six foot seven young man. Um, but Manny has a great personality, and uh, and it sure comes out like in that video and things like that. Isn't you can that see. funny? Yeah, yeah, he's actually more quiet than than that. And yeah. so when he came out on that, we were all like, "What the heck?" So yeah. yeah so anyways, fun. good to see you guys having some fun and showing some Thanks. plants and lots of information. So if we can have fun and share information, hey, that's a win win. I hope for everybody. And and uh, like I said, I, I I I enjoy seeing it. It's fun to. To see uh, you and Lisa and Suzanne and my daughter Jane, <laughs> you guys are all in there having some fun. So it was uh, very, very well done. So thank uh, you. Uh, yeah, I'm impressed. Thanks. So thanks. Yeah. Well, we'll get you next time. Yeah, now that I can walk, my knees uh, probably about eighty percent. So feels way better today. So I've been doing just raising Gosh. and doing all that fun stuff. But took a while. This this one's been a bit of a a go for me, so I, I gotta I pay a bit more attention to my to my health. <laughs> a well, that's not a bad thing, right? That's nope, not a bad nope. thing. I not think, as uh, indestructible as I used to be. So, <laughs> and you know what you need? You need to just come out and hang with the plants more. I think that's. I part think of so. It. Yeah. Yep. No springtime. You know what? And I know you you wanted to talk about annuals yesterday or the day before, and I'm just like, I just I got a couple other things on my mind, trying to get through in stages as I go through the springtime. For sure. But after that, I totally thought about. It. I go, I can't wait to get into that season. Yeah. Yeah. When the Coming. sun comes out, it's so much fun. <laughs> the sun, the color, the scent. It's uh, it's incredible, and people with the warmer weather too have been coming in looking for trees and annuals and even perennials. Um, a lot yeah. of times, it's new gardeners, and so they don't, you know, they're learning. And we should so talk about understand. that too a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it it is too early. I know some people you can pre buy, you can pre book some stuff, but for the most part, like we're 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 fully stocked. We're going to have everything going. Like first week in May, we typically bring in all our nursery stock, annuals, and perennials. Um, but you really can't plant trees in that until mid-May, typically anyways. You want to get past right. that frost. Unless you have some dormant trees or 
Um, if you're moving some trees in your yard, if the ground is thawed, then you can do stuff like that. But really, you want to wait till the ground is thawed and starting to warm up a little bit, a little bit more consistent weather, because it, it, it's hard on those plants. And uh, and you got to remember, all the garden centers here, a lot of uh, we're not growing a lot of our our product. We have growers that work with us. We're growing them in other areas, so we got to truck them all in. But all of a sudden, right. Mother's Day can be anywhere from <laughs> um, plus twenty to mm-hmm. minus ten. Like it, there's been time, and and we just can't. So we really just watch and watch the weather, and when do we pull the trigger to bring the the first trucks in? But we're super excited as much as everybody else. But we get a lot of people coming in asking, "Where's the trees? Or can yeah. we buy a tree?" <laughs> it's they're ready. We, they're ready. Yeah, which we do have some outside in our in our nursery and things like mm-hmm. that that they can look and you can shop. Um, you can get your information online on our on our. We have a plant finder and things like that. But uh, it's still a bit early. Um, but there's lots of other things you can do. You can start some seeds. Some totally, bulbs. bulbs. People are doing that. All our begonia bulbs downstairs. They're so pretty. The varieties that we have in. Yeah, those mm-hmm. are. Uh, and sometimes they're, uh, I guess people get a little bit intimidated. Begonia bulbs are awesome, though. Like, they're they're the true, like, the big nonstop, the big doubles. And those are the ones you get the really true colors, too. You get the bright, vibrant, um, nonstop begonias. And they look great. And if you have a bit of shade, you mix some of those even with a Boston fern and maybe some oh, Vinca, things so like that. Yeah. yeah. So pretty. We're going to be we're going to be doing that a bit more this year. We're going to be adding um, Boston ferns to our outdoor hangers, and a few other things that were that you and I and and the team have been talking about a little bit more. Some tropical things into some of our outdoor planters. I just think uh, it's it just adds that little extra um, thing to get past. Not that dracaenas are bad. Dracaena, the plain <laughs> spikes, but they've been no, done for. Not. They're classic. They're classic. Yeah. You're right. But sometimes, too, in terms of that fullness, right, it's hard to create. And with some house plants in there, in the right spot outside, it's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Just gives you the little bit. Because it, it's still like, you know, we're, we're coming out of this uh, the pandemic, and it sounds like we're on the right track. Everything's going. And Tuesday, we're, we're open right up. So, which is, it's great news. And um, mm-hmm. But we're still going to be doing some staycations. Not everybody's quite ready. And but it also, I think we've learned to appreciate our homes and what we do, and and uh, and things that we have right here in Alberta. So um, why not spend an extra fifty bucks or something on some of your planters because you're sitting out there enjoying it and a good Alberta sunshine. So that's true. We have so much nice, so many nice days. I'm so excited for that to come up, and I, I can't wait to see what we create too. I know uh, Terry Kemper does a lot of kind of planting designs too. The uh, the tree lot yeah. manager, so I'm excited yeah. for him to come back and and get his little two cents in there. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. We're gonna try and go down to. Uh, there's a trials in California. Okay. Um, where they try out a bunch of new plants. Um, hmm. So we're gonna see if we can sneak down there at the end of March. Nice. It's a four day little tour in California where they have all these um, growers. Um, trying new varieties of plants and things like that. So okay. That's we're cool. going to go down and hopefully we'll see what's going on, but maybe see if we can get down and have a look and uh, do a little driving and uh, 
and see some some cool plants because that's oh, uh, yeah. I can't wait to just get back into plants like that. It's been <laughs> it's been a long winter. It just yeah, seemed to go forever. Time. Yeah, time. yeah. The nice and warm air. At least the days are getting longer, and you can tell even in the uh, the tropical plants they seem to have picked up the pace. I know mine at home have in terms of their growth. Um, yeah. With all the growth that we have downstairs and the plant babies off of a lot of the oh, plants. The- the lemons in down in the greenhouse oh. are just so full of blooms. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. And so speaking of that, I remember last year or the year before we were talking about that and how to harvest bigger fruit. And so because yeah. we don't want all those blossoms, right? Well, no, yeah. After they bloom, you start seeing them. They set, and then you kind of see which ones start doing fruit. And if you have uh, like 35 on one little plant, you're probably better off to pick off half or something and stick with like 15 or right. something like that, depending on how big the plant is. But do you remember last year, it was when we had the big lemon in, and it was a warm day. We got into about, it was mid-early March, mm-hmm. um, maybe mid-March, and we opened the vent up, and then all those bees came in. Do I ever? Do I ever remember that? Yeah. It was pretty wild, eh? Because it was, it was so like, wild. it's too early for the bees, but they must have, they're in a hive or something, they... We had the vent open, and they could smell the pollen from all the lemons in the greenhouse. It was crazy, just, Merle. Yeah. Yeah, there was yeah, like a couple hundred bees yeah. came in, and they just swarmed that lemon tree. And well, then and the whole table. The, yeah. And yeah. they kind of – those are the honeybees. We used to have to be careful, but um, they're, they're kind of – they come in with their intention. They're coming for pollen. They don't care about us so much. They're just, oh, oh, for sure. Yeah, no, they didn't. Yeah. And we had a sign up too, and we were letting people know, but it was so interesting to watch. And we had kiddos in, and nobody got hurt with that. It was because they, they could care less. We took close-up photos and video, and it was the most fascinating yeah, it, thing it, I've seen kinda, Yeah, and then they kind of just – they stayed for a while, did their stuff, and then they took off. Off so. they go. Yeah, it was crazy. Back home to the back home to the honeybee to the hive. Well, so and they left a big mess. Remember that <laughs> with all the yeah. little uh, petals all over the. Anyway, that was. But quite that's an good. Experience. They did a whole bunch of cross pollination for us. Did they ever? Yeah. And and I'm still a bit confused on that. Some of the tags on our citrus say it's self pollinating, but then everything I read, for the most part, says they need to be cross pollinated. So I haven't yeah. had much luck. If I leave a lemon just inside all winter. Or right. I mean, all summer without doing anything, I don't seem to get any fruit or very little. Okay. When I put it outside, I get that's where I get the fruit because I get the bees doing the the cross pollination and all that other fun stuff. So interesting. Um, yeah, so I'd like to. I'm gonna like to look into that a bit more, but I, I do think Mother Nature on this one definitely wins and and helps out. But right now, Jen, I'm just gonna take a quick break. We got a break for a few commercials, and we'll come back. And if we have any callers, we'll chat with them, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. Welcome back, Jen. Hello, thank you. Um, from what I understood too, we're getting quite a few people asking about how to how to do the spring green it up program. Mm. Um, so part of it, you can we do um, do the applications for you if you do like that. You can sign up on our website, and we'll come out and and fertilize your lawn and do that kind of stuff for you. 
or if you're a do-it-yourselfer, which is great. Um, basically, what I like to do is first thing in the spring, we wait for it to dry out. We get some warm, sunny days, and you just start seeing the green come up and kind of evaluate where your grass is at at that point. If you've been using the green up for a couple of years, they're probably nice and thick. So I like to give it a good power rake at that point. And uh, if you got some bare patches or if you happen to get voles or mice or something, um, you can add a little bit of soil, a little bit of grass seed in those spots. And again, do your first application of the fertilizer. And then just sort of get back onto your watering routine, sort of that once or twice a week. Slow, deep watering. And sort of what I mean by that is if you do it, if you're going to water, um, do one um, watering about 20 minutes or so and then wait a couple hours and then hit it again and then that way it just soaks in nice and slowly you're not going for a, like an hour at a time where it ends up running down the street and things like that so um, just slow deep watering and uh, that makes all the difference if you want to do any top dressing I like to wait till I start seeing a little bit of green grass growing um, after you've applied the fertilizer um, give it a week or so kick in and then you can just add your top dressing at that point um, and that's always a fascinating thing when you do the top dressing you can use um, we have a green it up mix or if you have a good top soil uh, screened screened loam is great um, I know there's some good mixes even the big yellow bags things like that they work really well and uh, so what you can do is just put about an inch or so over top and it's always amazing, Jen. Like the, the grass just eats that. Like it's gone, like in a week or so. Like you put it on top. If you have a good, healthy grass, it's just amazing. It just like oh yeah, gobbles up that <laughs> soil. Yeah, exactly. Goes oh yeah. Oh relief. Yeah. yeah, it's true though. We get so many compliments too when people come in, and as I've said before, it's my favorite story. People have bought that as Christmas gifts for their neighbors or friends or family or whatever that particular fertilizer. Yeah, and unfortunately, yeah. this is going to be our first year where we've had to do a price increase. Just the freight and some of the things, it's just, it's yeah. like, it's unbelievable. Like, like a truck that was costing us, um, say, $2,000, mm -hmm. we're up to, up to five or $6,000 just in freight now. Is that a shame? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's going it's going to be an interesting year on just so much of that uh, the the money and the cost of goods is mm -hmm. going to be tied up in our logistics. So but it's again, good, Merle, that you talk about it. I love that you talk about it, so we can be honest about what we're doing, where we're coming from, and you know, it's not just for fun that we have to increase prices. No, no, and we've really tried to, we've kept that same price since I brought that fertilizer out for like, I think it's been wow. five years. Yeah. Um, never an increase. And when you compare it to other ones, it's definitely very well priced. Um, but again, that's trying to grow with our local growers, manufacturers, things, trying to keep the, the freight costs down because that's, uh, it, it becomes a real factor. And, sure. and that's just coming. Like if you start bringing stuff all the way across Canada or wherever, it's mm -hmm. it's 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 crazy. So, well, anyways, at, at the very least, it's worth it. Um, <clears throat> I've used it myself as well as the dog spot, and uh, I've had fantastic results. So, I yeah, I the, think it's the dog very spot worth it. is yeah, absolutely. And that yeah. dog spot is is the one done by Evolve, the Rage Plus. He uh, has this great product. You apply three times a year, 
and it neutralizes the urine in the grass, so you really don't get any green, you don't get any yellow spots. And uh, in combination with our fertilizer, you have awesome grass. <laughs> I believe we have a quick caller that we'll do real quick before the break. Uh, good morning, Dan. Hey, Merle, how's it going? Good, good. How can we help you? I bought some of your uh, German red garlic. Okay. And I put it in the ground in October. And now I'm planning on building another raised bed. Is it okay, okay. to transplant that? Um, you should be able to. You're talking like right now? No, no. I still have to build everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, you should. But let it get – if it's up and growing, um, um, try to take as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. Because if you plant last fall, it's what it's done. It's set in all its roots. It's doing what it should be doing over the winter. Yep. And getting ready to grow like crazy this spring. Well, um, yeah. I uh, I put it in my basically a cold frame. Okay. And I don't know if they everything you read on the net is like oh full sun, hot sun, partial sun. <laughs> Yeah, they do like they do do better in 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 the more warmth, especially yep. in Calgary. Like our our soil can be quite cold, our ground is cold, yep. so it takes a while to warm up. So if you get into those good sunny spots, it definitely makes a big difference. I'll leave them where they are then, sir. Yep, and uh, good luck with that, and uh, let's look forward to a good spring. Yeah, you too. All right, thank you. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Bye bye. All right, Jen. That's a quick one today. But we'll chat. I got a couple of guests, and uh, we're going to talk some grow lights and some mushrooms later. And of course, you can go down and see Jen and the team in the tropical area all day today down at Spruce It Up. And we just got to go for a quick break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's mostly cloudy and four degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 930. I'm Megan Cobb. Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra says Canada's airspace is closed to all Russian aircraft operators. He said in a tweet today that Canada will hold Russia accountable for its unprovoked attacks against Ukraine. Meanwhile, the office of Ukraine's president has confirmed that a delegation will meet with Russian officials as Moscow's troops draw closer to Kyiv. The two sides plan to meet at an unspecified location and time on the Belarusian border. And Canadians are being advised to brace for the retelling of the horrors of the country's worst mass shooting in modern history as a public inquiry begins tomorrow. It's expected to provide a chronological description of the tragedy that occurred over the course of two days in April 2020 in Porta Peak, Nova Scotia. Clouds will clear throughout the day, reaching a high of 7 degrees, a few clouds overnight with a low of minus 3, and mainly cloudy and 4 degrees tomorrow. It's four degrees. Breaking news when it happens. Our next update at 10. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And I'm going to be having Tracy. He's going to be calling in from uh, Home Grotronics. Uh, lighting company here in Calgary with uh, grow lights. He's going to call in here in a few minutes. And I just got a quick text. We have three raised planters, have tried perennials, hostas, bleeding hearts, and none of them survive. What perennial do you recommend? Each each planter is approximately three by seven. The problem is if the planters are not um, 
connected right to the ground if they're if they're raised like a raised planter typically what happens is they just dry out and they just desiccate so the main thing is if they are on the ground um i would put a little bit of like make sure the soil is good put some bark mulch over top of the perennials for um to help keep them frozen over the winter but that would be the main reason um that they won't winter for you they just get too too warm over our winters like when we do get those little warm spells and if they're in a good sunny location if they're raised above the ground they typically will just dry out and then whatever's in there just desiccates there's nothing left in there so if you are trying to do raised garden beds what you want to do is have a good good organic matter in your soil also adding uh, like i said a couple inches of bark mulch on top and then ensuring that you're watering them in really well right up until freeze up so they stay frozen piling on the snow like when we have the snow um onto those uh raised beds is a, is a big helpful thing to do so um that's what i would i would recommend to you if you can do that um you'd be good to go and it should help with your uh wintering them over the winter time so or i mean over the winter into the spring because it is a bit frustrating but and also if you try to do if if it is totally rage candy but you can stick with some of the sedums some of the succulent type plants they definitely have a lot smaller root system and they seem to winter a lot better in pots and raised beds um for us here in calgary so you can give those a try right now i'm going to bring up uh i got tracy good morning tracy hello merle how are you today Good, good. And Tracy, you're from Grotronics, and you guys uh, have a a great uh, retail um, grow light system for for home gardening, and also you get into the commercial stuff. But we won't really go that far today. Um, we're just talking about um, grow lights, different things that uh, for the home gardener. So let me let me know a little bit about the company and what's going on. Uh, well, Grotronics started about five years ago. It's a uh, it's a division of Eco Lighting Solutions, and Eco Lighting Solutions has been around for twelve years. Basically, as long as the LED industry has been around, we've been here. Uh, and then about five years ago, I started to notice a more prevalent LED presence in the grow light industry. But at that time, they had it all wrong. They primarily were saying that you only needed red and blue, and that's a a throwback, a myth from the old cannabis days. And in reality, you need both colors of light for, for decent grow lights. So um, without digressing, what we found was a professional quality grow light that we put in a retail package for home gardeners. Yeah, which is which is nice because I know there's, and especially when people go on Amazon or different places, you hit grow light and there's a million to come up, right? And some of them are just a red bulb or, or this or that. And definitely the LED, I've seen that. And even in the professional growers, they've all moved to um, the LED technology and it seems to be uh, working really, really well. So. Which yeah. is a little more efficient as well. <laughs> it is. Uh, well, compared to a fluorescent, which most home gardeners are familiar with, you get twice the grow power for, for the same amount of electricity. Okay. So <clears throat> typically, 
um, if we're if you someone needs to to want to grow and just add some because this time of year we're still short on light. The days are still a little bit shorter. Um, what what type of light and uh, what would somebody want to use or or get started? Well. We've been down at the Calgary Home and Garden Show talking to people all weekend, and there's a massive range of knowledge out there. The biggest thing people need to know is that our houses, especially with the windows we have today, I mean, the new houses, the windows are much, much smaller on average, and they're triple glazed with the energy-efficient coatings, and they just don't let enough light or all of the wavelengths that the plants need to grow properly through. That's why these 1950s bungalows with the old windows they grow plants to beat the band, but the new ones just don't. And, you know, we're we're educating a lot of people this weekend on, you know, how much grow light do I actually need? And people say, that how much do I need? And, well, in, in reality, it's as much as you can afford. So if you buy the um, $30, $50 bulb off the one of the Internet sites, it's good for a house plant, and I see lots of them on the internet, or lots of them as I drive around at night yep. with pink windows. And that pink windows is that throwback to the only needing red and blue. Yeah. And in reality, we need good quality white light, and we need a lot more of it than we realize. So, for example, a you know take a four foot Costco shelf, which is my favorite for starting plants on. Um, wire shelf put two four foot lights on it. it's about 100 watts per shelf and you can even grow your vegetables on it year round if you choose to absolutely yeah i know in, in alberta is actually quite a uh hot spot for a lot of container growing people doing the vertical growing things like that there's quite a few uh operators in alberta growing things in sea cans or or warehouses or whatever with with led lighting yeah well there's several of them around calgary um absolutely which is which is great and it's nice that we can bring this technology just into the retail setting um and and get some of the benefits of that lighting um to be able to help grow and start your seeds and and that's what i i struggle we used to start our seeds in january like when i was growing commercially um for a garden center it's just because we only had so much time and you had to start so early. Um, but a lot of the times when you start too early, you just don't have the, the light power to to get the germination. And a lot of times the plants just sit and kind of get leggy. So uh, well, bumping them up with some good light. You're very correct. So November, December, January, and February are the low light seasons of the year. And what you get in those through the windows at those time of year or through the top of a greenhouse is you get lots of the red and infrared light that plants need, but almost none of the blue. And red is your growth enhancer and blue is a growth regulator. So by combining the two, you get strong, healthy plants with big leaves. But when you only, in January, not only are your days short, but the short wavelength blue light isn't physically getting through as, as much. And so the plants are reaching for the stars and can't find it. They're reaching for the yeah, sun. Yeah, that's just where you get the long, stretchy, leggy plants. Okay. Hey, Tracy, I'm just going to take a quick – I'm just going to put you on hold. Uh, we're just going to take a quick break for a commercial, and then we'll come back, and we'll we'll do another segment here. We'll continue on chatting. Um, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR.
Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I do have uh, Tracy with me, and he's uh, with Growtronics LED. Welcome back, Tracy. Hello. Hello there. Hi hey. there. Um, we were just talking about the blue and the red lights. Um, so now, like, we, we're heading into this this time of year. Um, and I guess the average investment if someone wants to get a, a couple racks and a couple bulbs, you can do a, a pretty decent thing for two to four hundred dollars, sort of thing. Yeah, your average four foot grow light uh, in the garden centers is about one hundred and ninety dollars. And what yep. you get for that is you get a professional quality Growtronics light. I mean, there's other there's other lights around that are cheaper, but they just don't last. Um, so, you know, a couple $300 per shelf will grow you some pretty decent plants. If you're growing microgreens, for example, um, you only need one light over each shelf because microgreens really just need the light to sprout with. They don't need to grow and they don't need to become mature, healthy plants. Uh, lots of people are trying to grow microgreens these days, so you just cut your light requirement in half. But the nice thing about putting, say, 100 watts on a 4-foot four bo- four by 18-inch Costco shelf is you get plants that are strong enough to place directly outside. You don't have to play the game of put them on the deck for an hour today and an hour tomorrow and an hour Tuesday and an hour and a half Wednesday kind of thing. So how long, like, so say someone's growing some plants and they're doing the microgreen or on the shelf, like uh, what, what kind of, how many hours a day would someone be realistically using that? My rule of thumb is if you're sprouting seedlings, because of the way plants sprout indoors, you get the best results if you put your lights on 24 hours a day until they're sprouted. Yeah. Because indoors, plants can't tell when they sprout if they break the surface of the soil at night because there's no temperature difference between the soil and the, and the room indoors where there is outdoors. And, for example, lettuce, if it sprouts at night and there's no light on it, you get two-inch tall lettuce, the thickness of a human hair, and you might as well start over. So back to your question... I leave my, my, my sprouting tray on 24 hours a day for the first one to two weeks, and then I move the plants into the big shelf. And you can run them anywhere from 12 to 20 hours a day, depending if you think you're behind where you need to be for the season, or if you're ahead, you can back your lights down and just not run them quite as long. Okay. So, and, uh, and what kind of distance should people keep them away from, from their plants? Like, are you going right over top, or... That's like six, a, eight inches? That's a great question, Merle, because a lot of people running the old-style fluorescent lighting put them two inches above the, the plant canopy. You cannot yeah. do that with LED. You will burn the plants. Uh, I saw a, a retail grower one time took two of our lights and added a third and then put them two inches from the cucumbers, and the cucumbers literally baked. They were done. They had to restart yeah. them all. So six yeah. inches typically... Uh, they can be a little less if the plants are growing up towards the lights because they're getting used to it as they grow, but not okay. directly when you turn them on. When you first turn them on, say you get some plants from the garden center and you want to boost them up a bit, you want to make them a little nicer before you put them outside, uh, start them at six to eight inches and then move them down an inch a day until they're five to six inches away and then try to keep them there. Okay, so ideally in that six-inch range is sort of the ideal spacing away from the plants yeah that's to get the, the safe range you won't okay. burn the plants and they should still experience pretty good growth no and 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 sometimes uh 
those are the the issues. And do you is are those are all the lights? Do they have those the blue and the red going all the time, or do you have to switch some on and off, or or well, how does that work? Early on in our you know lighting retail career, we experimented with four channel lights with you know white, blue, red, and infrared. Not only were they hard to hook up because they're complicated systems to install, our retail customers like plug and play, take it home, hang it up, plug it yeah. in, and the light. Um, we found that after two weeks of playing with the colors, they turned all four channels on and left them. Okay. So we, we just found that, you know, if you're a professional grower growing hundreds of thousands of square feet of lettuce, you can experiment with your spectrums and your colors to maximize production. But for most homeowners, it's a negligible difference. So you just buy a good quality white grow light with some enhanced red, sometimes far red, and you'll be great. Um, okay. Try to stay away from the pure 6400K lights unless – now, 6400K is pure daylight. Um Hopefully, I'm not getting too technical. <clears throat> no, but uh, but the the ones that you guys have, like the Growtronics, are they set at a certain spectrum? Um, or? Yeah. Yes, we have a plant start early growth spectrum that we use for microgreens and bedding plants. Yeah. And then for customers that want to grow year-round indoors, they want to flower cannabis or they want to flower tomatoes. Um, we have a light with warm white daylight red and infrared chips in it and people we we have a display down at the show with some cat grass on it and after four days the light with the infrared in it the cat grass is a half an inch taller than the other side with the uh with the plant start spectrum on it so you can see that as plants get older they need more red and they do really yep. do respond to those extra colors in that light bar and if okay. you look and at the chips you can see Okay, cool. Um, and what about if, say, someone just wants to add some real light into their house for their house plants and things like that? Would they uh, just? There's a, uh, there's a and would of this reasons. also help with the sad, like that seasonal disorder, like giving people um, real sunshine? I believe that a 6400K light would help with the sad, but not being a medical doctor, I can't yeah. tell you for sure if an LED has the perfect spectrum for sad. I know yep. that the old-style fluorescents work quite well for that, and you can buy these LED plates that look like a, like a small iPad or something, and you point them at your face for 20 minutes in the morning, and they help. So I don't know exactly what spectrum's in them, but they're generally a full-spectrum daylight white. Okay, cool. All right, well, that's it's, it's always interesting what, what light, and when people are picking plants and doing different things, um, it's one of the things we run into most problems is they're trying to grow a plant in an area that just not enough light for it or sometimes a bit too much light. Um, but typically it's more often than not that they're just not getting enough light and uh, especially outside. So picking the right lights, but when you're growing inside, it's nice when we can supplement and uh, help assist um, the, the plants with some real light. Good example, Merle, is if you've got a, you know, a lot of people put their tropicals in a group in a corner near a window maybe or beside a window. And if you've got tropicals in the winter and you want to boost them up growing lemons uh, or something like that, there's, there's a vertical stands out there that 
Um, you stand them on the floor in front of the plants, you put a four-foot light bar on them, and you point them into the corner at the plants. And that way you're not blinding yourself because LED lights are quite strong. But your plants are getting that little extra boost when you need it. And in the summertime, if you don't need it, you just put the thing in the closet. Oh, nice. And But, yeah, and, that, and definitely that's when you, you see your plants in the wintertime. I definitely move them a little closer to some of the windows or you're trying to get a little extra light. Um I'm fortunate I kind of face right uh, south, so we have a fairly bright bright windows and things like that. But uh, in it, but if you don't, you can see the ones that are stuck in the back, they definitely struggle without the additional light for sure. So Yeah. Awesome. All right, and so you're down at the Home and Garden Show, and that, that goes today till 6? Today till 6. Uh, we're in booth 467. Uh, our awesome. products are also available at Spruce It Up Garden Center. And yep. so if you don't manage to get down to the show, just visit Merle over at Spruce It Up, and they've got what you need. Awesome. All right, well, thank you so much, Tracy. I appreciate your time. Hopefully you have a good rest of the show down there. And if you, um, I know you, you did a product knowledge for our team this past week, so um, a lot of our team is very well-versed on the grow lights now, so hopefully we can answer any of your questions. But if not, we always have uh, Tracy on speed dial if we need to call him, and uh, he'll be able to help us out. So thanks again, Tracy, and have a great show. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Merle, for inviting me. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. If you'd like to join me after the break, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back. If you'd like to uh, join me on the phone line, any gardening questions, 403-974-8255. Um, be happy to take any of your calls. I do have Richard on the line. Good morning, Richard. Hi, Richard. Hello. Hello. Hi, Richard. How can I help you? Oh, uh, is this Merle? Yes, it is. Oh, Okay. Uh, Merle, um, first of all, I want to tell you, we, my wife and I enjoy your show every Sunday. Thank you. I, I enjoy doing it. Yeah. Uh, my wife's name is Teresa. Oh, and nice. She loves, hi, Teresa. She, she loves... Oh, say hi. Hi, Merle. Hi there. She, she, she loves... Uh, she loves planting. She loves plants and planting and flowers and all that. So, Nice. Um, uh, actually, hang on, T uh, Teresa. You want to ask him your question? Yes, uh, because uh, I have a lemon plant here. Always okay. have bugs in the in the leaves there. In the condo. Yeah, you get you get bugs in there. Yeah, all the leaves is like uh, sticky, you know. Yeah. So what you probably have is a infestation of um, spider mite in there. Or aphids. Can you see the little bugs? Is there kind of webbing, or is there just just sticky? Uh, it's sticky and it's brown. I use uh, water with salt to wipe it off. You know, like so often, almost like every week. Yeah, I I would probably wouldn't use salt. I would probably use like you could use uh, soapy water or a product called Pure Spray Green. Okay. Um, put it in the sink. Spray it on. Um, and you do that sort of every five days with the pure spray green, 
Yeah, I probably wouldn't use salt and stuff like that in your plant. Okay, um, but how come? Uh, but we don't open the window. Where's the bugs come from? They just yeah. That's a. I wish if I knew that answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. Uh, I, I would. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always a mystery, right? Like it just you have no bugs, and all of a sudden, where do they come from? Yeah, just, because I keep cleaning it, but the bugs keep growing. You know, so I thought, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, Another... sometimes they start in the soil, so we can also, if you get the pure spray green, you can do a soil drench. So what that means is you mix some into your water can and you pour that over top of the soil. And then okay. that will get some of the eggs. But it, it's important to try and do it every five days. So um, you want to spray um, the tip. So put it in the sink, spray it, okay. and, and let it dry. And if you use the pure spray green, you don't have to rinse it off. Um, okay, rather so than, rather than, yeah, it'll, it'll tell you how to dilute it. Okay. And spray it every five days for three or four weeks in a row. And then that should definitely help out. And off. then... And they do like to get fed. They're heavy feeders, so they like to get fed with a, a bit of a higher nitrogen. So they do like the food, um, thirty ten ten. It's 30. our evergreen food. Food. Okay. Another question is that uh, Merle, I I try to grow the avocado. Yeah. So is there any tips that you know can make the avocado grow healthy? Did you get it to grow? Like, did you just did you get a seed and put it and just dangle it in the water to get it to root up and stuff? Or no, actually, after when I cut the avocado, I just took the seed out, peeled the outside uh, skin, the layer, and yeah. then uh, a toothpick to poke, poke it and put on top, let the seed on top of the water. Yeah. So, 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 so if you're at that stage right now, you let it root up. And okay. then let the roots get fairly good. It'll take a couple of weeks. And then once you have a good little set of roots, you take that, put that into like a, a six-inch pot and okay. leave about two-thirds of the of the seed pod out of the soil. Okay. And then just plant it into a good, well-drained pot, good potting soil, and, and ensure that it's in a good, sunny spot. And even when it gets about six inches tall, you can just pinch the top. Okay. Just because they get, they can get really long and leggy. So if you get lots of light, um, you should be fine. And again, you can feed it with um, the thirty ten ten as well. Thirty ten ten. Okay. Have to have a put it under the uh, the sun sunny area. Yeah, good sunny light. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Thank you Alrighty. for your help, Merle. You stay nope. safe. You too, and uh, we'll have... hopefully see you soon. Happy mm -hmm. spring. Take care. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Merle. Yes, sir. Yeah, I have I have one qu one question for you, if you don't mind. Actually, I just got to take a break for the. If you want to hang, I'll take you right after the break. I just got to do a commercial, sir. No, I All think right. it's okay. Fine, it's, it's okay, right. Merle. Thanks. You have bye -bye. a good one. Thank I'll you. Bye bye. All right, we gotta go. We'll be back after the breaks on seven seventy CHQR. It's mostly cloudy and four degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. Russian aircrafts can no longer fly over Canada. Transportation Minister Omar Al-Gabra says as of this morning, Canada has closed its airspace to all Russian aircraft operators. This latest move is yet another response to Russia, which invaded Ukraine late Wednesday night. Canada is only the latest country to ban Russia's flagship carrier, Aerofloat, and other airlines. 
Several other nations, including the United Kingdom, Poland, Bulgaria, and the Czech Republic, have also suspended Russian air carrier Aeroflot's foreign carrier permit, while more have said they will follow suit. President Vladimir Putin has ordered Russian nuclear forces to be put on high alert in response to what he called aggressive statements by NATO. It means Putin has ordered Russia's nuclear weapons to be prepared for increased readiness to launch, raising the threat that tensions could boil over into nuclear warfare. Speaking to his top officials this morning, Putin said that Western countries aren't only taking unfriendly actions against Russia's economy, but that NATO members had made aggressive statements regarding Russia. This comes just hours after Ukraine's president confirmed that officials would be meeting with members of the Russian government. Rallies supporting Ukraine continued to be held across the globe, including here in Alberta. Yesterday, people in Lethbridge showed their support in front of City Hall. Some people at the rally have friends who are fighting in the war, and they don't want the world to abandon their loved ones. It's hard to sit here on the other side of the world while your friends are in, uh, in harm's way. We have to stop shootings. We have to stop bombing right now. This is, uh, this is what we want as of now. Just pray for Ukraine. Help us, please. The rest of the world is watching. We are there, and uh, we do support them. Organizers say Canada is home to the third highest population of Ukrainians outside of Ukraine, with more than 100 of those living in Lethbridge. With the vast majority of provincial public health restrictions being lifted as of Tuesday, many Albertans are fine with the announcement while realizing others will not be. I have no concerns really for my health or the kids. I'm not that concerned, but that's just me personally as a young uh, person. It's definitely a bit of cause for concern for some people if they're at high risk. The city of Calgary says it will drop its mask by law on Tuesday as well when the provincial mask mandate is lifted. However, you will still need to wear a mask on public transit and in Alberta Health Services run facilities and continuing care homes. Given Alberta's open for summer disaster, an internal medicine specialist at the Peter Lougheed Hospital says it's hard to trust this latest decision. Dr. Gabriel Fabero says he hopes it all works out, but he is worried. I will declare my bias. I, I think there's a lot of reticence that um, from the healthcare community that if this goes badly, then, you know, we, many, many patients, uh, as well as healthcare staff, they, uh, we bear the brunt. Dr. Fabro says he would like to see a clear marker as to when COVID restrictions would be reintroduced if cases started to spike. Arriving back in Canada is about to get a bit easier for fully vaccinated travelers. Starting tomorrow, the need to get COVID-19 PCR tests before landing in Canada will end. Instead, you'll be able to use a rapid antigen test, but it does need to be administered by a lab or healthcare entity, meaning doing a test at home won't work. Only those randomly selected for a PCR test at the border will have to take one, and you won't need to quarantine while waiting for the results. Unvaccinated travelers will continue to be tested on arrival. Taking a look at sports, Matthew Kachuk and Tyler Toffoli each scored twice and added an assist last night as the Calgary Flames beat the Minnesota Wild 7-3 to tie a franchise record with 11 consecutive wins on home ice. The Flames and the Wild now head to Minnesota to play the second game of the home and away series in Minnesota on Tuesday. Fresh off their win over the Atlantic Division leading Florida Panthers yesterday, the Edmonton Oilers will square off against the Metropolitan Division leading Carolina Hurricanes at 11 today. 
Edmonton is in for a stiff test. Not only are the Hurricanes a division leader, but they're on a four-game win streak. Global News Sky Tracker weather. The clouds will clear throughout the day and the wind will pick up this afternoon. We'll reach a high of 7 degrees. A few clouds overnight with a low of minus 3. Mainly cloudy and 4 degrees tomorrow. It's 4 degrees at 10.05. Breaking news when it happens. Our next update at 10.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and we're going to go to a guest we have. We have Jonathan Wright, and he's with Forager's Galley. And uh, they have these cardboard boxes, which uh, create these mushrooms that come out of them. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning, Meryl. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, it's uh, kind of a half sunny, cloudy day here in Calgary, <laughs> and uh Heading into the heading into the right direction of spring, and uh, which is which is great news, and and always love when we get products uh, like yours, and good to see good Canadian products um, with some of these fun and and some health benefits, and and also create a little bit of an activity as well. So maybe give us a little bit of a lowdown on your your grow at home mushroom kits. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the Grow at Home Mushroom Kits, um, I guess they're a product that we have in seven different varieties of mushrooms at the moment. And uh, okay. essentially it is a, uh, a, my, a substrate block, which has been inoculated with a different type of mushroom species, and it comes with a misting bottle and uh, some instructions and a little uh, tent which you set up to help to create humidity for it, which is the environment it really likes to start growing. Um, so you essentially just have to cut a little cross in the, in, the, in the mycelium block and mist it twice a day, and you'll get a big flush of this whatever variety of mushrooms you're getting. And it's quite a fascinating process to watch. They do grow incredibly fast, though. So you can really notice changes every day. Yeah, and, that, and I know that um, just even... Like here in Calgary, if all of a sudden, if you have uh, mushrooms in your grass, they're not there one day and also we'll get a rain and then that just seems to activate all the spores. And then yeah. all of a sudden you have mushrooms everywhere. Like it is sort of, it's similar to what you're doing, I guess, with the spray bottle, right? You activate the spores. Is that Exactly, exactly. So yeah, certain varieties, you know, some are hot weather, some are cold weather. Um, they like a certain humidity level. And um, oxy, uh, mushrooms are actually um, closer to humans than plants. They actually breathe in oxygen and breathe out CO2. So having a good fresh air supply is very important for them. Okay. Okay. So they're, they're the opposite of a, of a foliage plant. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, some people okay. use, the I guess, the CO2 that's generated from mycelium blocks like this to, I guess, to feed, um, you know, smaller um, yeah, plant growers. So. Yeah, I know you could get a bit of a, a a synergy going there. You could have your mushrooms providing the carbon for your for your house plants. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and yeah, that's a, yeah, that's an interesting thing with these as well. I guess the the medium that they grow on is essentially just hardwood sawdust and um, other agricultural waste like soy hulls. Um, so when the kit is finished and set and done, it does make amazing fertilizer. And everything is. Completely compostable, and we do recommend burying the block in the yard. There is a chance that mycelium will establish wherever you bury it in your garden, 
and then it'll produce mushrooms for you seasonally for years to come, which is kind of a, a fun little artifact once you've enjoyed them growing in your house. Absolutely. Um, so there's something like the and the bear's head mushroom. So do you like? Do you explain? Like, is there? Did you pick certain varieties that are have certain health benefits, or ones that are good for eating, or or how did you pick which ones you were doing? Yeah. So essentially, they're all um, very choice gourmet varieties um, that you grow in there. So, and the thing with mushrooms is they do have a very short shelf life. So this is probably the best way to get the absolute freshest mushrooms if you are going to be cooking them in the kitchen. So they're quite interesting and fun, um, I guess, ingredients to play with. And the process is there. Uh, certain varieties like lion's mane is known for some medicinal benefits as well as um, incredible choice to edible. Um, and then certain varieties are fun, like the bear's head. Is, you know, they're, they're varieties that do grow in the wild on Vancouver Island where, where we're based. Um, so growing some of the local varieties that are here as well is kind of fun and interesting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and in Alberta, we always there's always uh, people just being careful of which mushrooms to eat, which ones are, aren't poisonous, uh, yeah. which, ones, which ones are. Um, yeah, uh, and actually just interesting, even the pink oyster mushroom, right? Like it's um, just a really cool-looking plant. Yeah, they're 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 beautiful when they come up and so vibrant. So, um, and that's type of, that's the type of uh, I guess mushroom ingredient. It's very rare to kind of find those. You never find them on a grocery store shelf, or you know you can sometimes get them from farmers markets. But the shelf life on that particular mushroom is you know a couple of days. So, um, but they are absolutely delicious. And there's not many ways that you get to enjoy and experience these different varieties except for been able to quickly grow them yourself in your home and it's a pretty yeah. amazing process to watch so it's used as a bacon substitute it says though yeah absolutely and me and it's, <laughs> yeah it's really interesting how how close you can get but yeah i mean they're very nutritious for you and yeah they are a wonderful i guess my meat alternative if you if that's what you like but yeah just absolutely so so, delicious, delicious so if ingredient. i if i get a kit how how long will it last like um, how many crops, or will it? If I continue to harvest, will it continue to to keep producing? Or yeah, so yeah, I guess so. The timeline in terms of how long it starts, um, it does depend on the variety. But usually within two to four weeks, you'll have your first crop of mushrooms that's ready to harvest. Um, okay. Some of the varieties do take slightly longer than that. Um, and essentially, once you harvest your first crop. Um, it will usually kind of rest for around two weeks or so. And uh, on average, you get two flushes of mushrooms from it. Um, but we okay. have had customers report up to seven rounds of, of mushrooms. So it's quite a significant amount of food, to be honest, once you get them. So. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And so yeah. then when you're done with that, then that's what you were saying, you, you can you can plant that, you can put it outside into the yard. Yep, Absolutely. <clears throat> Okay. Is there a certain location? Like, should you put it into a sort of your coolest, shadiest spot, or do you look for a sunny spot? Or yeah, cooler, shady would be preferred. Um, even some broken sunlight is good, and just uh, we generally just burying it fairly shallow. Um, and anywhere there's you know just good garden soil or compost. Um, and yeah, a lot of people will add it to their compost, and it will start kind of growing there. And then you can spread your compost around. So yeah, they're just always growing, which is quite amazing. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's and I we do get a lot of people like when people like if they got a dead tree removed or things like that, 
and then the tree roots start rotting underground, and then they get mushrooms up in certain spots. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it's a fascinating um, plant, like the whole spores and the mushroom thing, and it, and it's really come to light about how much health benefits and 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 different things of all the different mushrooms. Um, do you plan to expand your varieties or stick yeah. with these seven? Yeah, we actually uh, we're adding new varieties all the time. Um, we've got a few we're kind of in the testing phase phase at the moment. Just make sure they they work as planned. And um, yeah, we have around three more varieties we're expecting to release by summer. So. Okay, I uh, see the like the reishi mushroom. You always hear about that one. Yeah, um, that's one of the ones that's coming again. And we also have a, a black reishi, um, which is another kind of uh, unique variety uh, of, of reishi as well. Um, but yeah, they're, they're very interesting mushrooms. A lot slower growing though compared to these. They can kind of take you know six months plus for those ones to grow. So. Well, and they almost look like a sea urchin. Like they, they just do. looks. <laughs> yeah, they look. Like I said, even if you never eat it, I guess yeah. you just get to enjoy that um, and just enjoying it as a plant. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Any other uh, any other facts you want to add to to the to our discussion here? Um, yeah, essentially, yeah, I think just yeah, it's such an interesting kind of field, and I guess mushrooms have been a pretty underappreciated part of, I guess, the, the ecosystem a little bit. And it's kind of cool just to have a first-hand experience of them. Um, and, yeah, so I think, yeah, if you do want to try mushrooms, you are interested, it's a, it's a wonderful way to experience them. Absolutely. And do you um, – what about just regular mushrooms? Like you're getting – is is there uh, any – Is would you ever look at doing any of that type of kit? Like where a – so uh, like, like a, yeah, like the regular white mushroom. We don't tend to grow those yeah. ourselves, um, mainly because they generally grow on different manure substrates, and it's a little bit different to our process. Um, oh, okay, okay. So yeah, we um we we generally yeah just grow on hardwood and um, yeah and like different like soy holes stuff like under the forest. I guess sort of it would grow exactly. on a, on a on a log in the in the forest and things like that. Yeah, okay. no, that be, okay. Absolutely. No, that make that that makes sense. On yeah. to uh, onto why you would do that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. It's great, and uh, we have a bunch of your product in 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 stock right now. So if you want to try these uh, pretty awesome uh, mushroom kits, um, come down to spruce it up, and uh, and well, we got a couple growing too, so you can sort of see what they're doing, and uh, and you can experience the mushrooms as well. All right. Well, thanks again, Jonathan. Thanks so much, Meryl. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right. Well, that that's interesting. We got, uh, and that was Jonathan with Foragers Galley, um, Grow at Home Mushroom Kits uh, out of Victoria. And uh, we've seen a lot more of this kind of stuff come into, into the retail market, which is, which is pretty cool. Again, we tried to um, find some local um, vendors, people, Canadians that are doing this wherever we possible. So, um, able to, to work with Jonathan. So, uh, look forward to, to seeing these grow. And like I said, even if you don't eat them, they just look so cool to some of the, like I said, the reishi and the pink oyster. And, and then it'd be kind of cool creating a little mushroom farm. If you get a few of these varieties out in your backyard, if you have that really hard to grow shade spot, 
add a few ferns and some of these mushrooms into the ground, I think you could create a pretty cool looking little shade spot in the in your backyard. Anyways, I'm going to take a quick break. If you'd like to call, phone lines are wide open. You can call me at 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, greet it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And I do have a couple callers on the line, which is great. I'm going to go to Kim. Good morning, Kim. Hi, 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 Merle. It's Ken, not Kim. Okay. Hi, Ken. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How can I help you? Oh, I'd just like to find out about... Uh... Radishes. My mom wants to plant radishes, but every time she does, she gets them full of maggots. Yeah, that's the. It's a bit of an issue. Um, um, do you have a? Is your soil? Are you doing it right in the ground, or are you doing it in in like a raised bed, or right in the garden, right in the ground? Okay, okay, and you do need to rotate the crop. Okay, and that makes a big difference. Um, and and there there is a couple I like this to aerate the soil really good, like in the fall, like like leave it lumpy in a lot of the yeah. garden areas, like dig it out so that way it gets in there and kills a lot of that stuff. Um and one of the main things is it's just with the radishes, have them in a good hot spot as well. Okay. And uh and then thin them. Those are the ones if you can get some of the radish tape is actually nice because the seed is so small, I just find that you end up putting it in there, and you end up pulling out half of what you actually seed, or or try and separate yeah. the seeds first, so you can just space them out a bit more, and hill them up, okay. and, and then just do the cultivation around them, and that will definitely help. There is a couple of garden pow powders you can use, but I think rotating your crop, get them in a sunny spot, and and then just not leaving them in too long as well. Oh, okay. Well, that will definitely help. Yeah, just nice sunny spot. Love radishes, and they're actually great because they um, they just germinate so quick and they grow so fast. So they're a good early spring crop, which you can do um, with with good success. Yeah, well, my mom says I give up. I can't grow them without getting maggots in them. So <laughs> see, and and that's I'm tr and I'd like to know, like, it, it just seemed like cause I remember growing. Um, um, radish and all that, like at my mom, my mom, dad's garden, all that stuff. We never had any of this stuff. And I just, I, I just like, <laughs> where do, again, like the lady asked me earlier, where do these bugs come from? Another thing yeah. you can do is you can add diatomaceous earth into those areas. So what diatomaceous earth is, it's a, like a really sharp sand. Yeah, um, okay. So you, you can mix that in. So maybe get your row ready, mix in the diatomaceous earth, and then just sort of cultivate that in, and then seed right after that. So that okay. does that makes it really uncomfortable for the maggots to come in there because they get cut from the from the diatomaceous earth. Ah, oh, okay, I understand. Okie dokie. So that okay, thanks, that bro. is one definitely one way you can try, and that'll help out for sure. Cool. And your, right. uh, your guest that you had on for Mushrooms there, he's a real fun guy to be around, I think. Yeah, absolutely. No, it would be good to see 
All right. Have thanks, a good man. one, Merle. Thanks. You too. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Ken. All right. And where am I at for time? I got some time. I'm going to go to Jessica. Good morning, Jessica. Hi, Merle. How are you? I'm doing great. How can I help you? I, um, last year I planted a, a dinner plate dahlia in a Ooh, big nice. pot. Yeah. And uh, the leaves at the bottom started to die. They turned gray. And I went to the trusty internet and, oh, it could be some sort of fungus. So I bought some spray and I kept spraying it. It didn't help. Eventually, all the leaves died. It never bloomed. So I put it away for the winter. And I'm wondering, like, whatever it was that killed all the leaves, is it still on that tuber or is it safe to plant it? It, very, it, it, it probably is. It, was, it sounds like you had powdery mildew. So if you're watering a bit too much and maybe water on the leaves. Um, okay. That, it sounds like powdery mildew. If I get any of those leaves, especially on a dahlia or any of these fast-growing plants, if the leaves start looking a bit ratted or discolored, just pull them off. And that's because then that way you're eliminating a lot of the issue as well. You get rid of the fungus, get rid of that stuff. Um, okay. Right. Yeah. So any if leaves start going brown or yellow or gray, you're better just to pull them right off. So w what I would do is I would pull your tuber out right now. And, and see what it's looking like. And then you can get some, it's called copper spray or bordo. Um, and I would just do like a shake and bake. Put, put a couple teaspoons or tablespoons of it in a Ziploc bag. And then put your tuber in there. Close the bag up and just give it a good like a shake and bake shake. Um, okay. With your tuber inside that bag. So it gets good and coated with that um, bordo with the copper spray. And then... Just plant it. If you and when, before you plant it, just if if you see any fungus or anything, just clean it up, and then just treat it with that fungicide, and then that should definitely make a big difference. And with with your dahlias, they love the sunniest spot you can get. So if you pull that up now, um, you'll probably see a little bit of green sprouting, and uh, do that shake and bake with the Bordeaux. And and then plant it up, put it into a, at least a two or three gallon pot, and you should be off to the races. Do, should I change the dirt in that planter? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Change the soil. I always start the dahlias in a fresh pot of soil. They're a heavy feeder, so okay. you want to put into like a, like I said a two or a five gallon pot. And a lot of times when they get about eighteen inches high, <laughs> I like to cut the top third off of them. And that way it bushes them out. Otherwise, sometimes they just start going straight up. Yeah. So if you just so they get like 18 inches high, take about six inches off, take them down to about 12 inches, and then at that time, a lot of times I'll put a tomato cage over them in the pot, because then when it grows up, it'll grow into the tomato cage or some sort of uh, a support system, and uh, and then that way when you put it into the ground, it's already grown into the cage, and you're not trying to put it over top. When it's uh, when it's too big. Oh, okay. All right. No, that's great because I I would hate to throw it away thinking, yeah. oh, now it's not going to work forever. Yeah. No, and it's a, they're heavy feeders, so they do like the fifteen thirty fifteen or a twenty twenty twenty. Um, they do not like a lot of water on the leaves, so if you can water from underneath as best you can, and like I okay. said, good sunny location. And when you see those leaves, they produce so much leaf. Don't worry about trying to save a leaf here and there. Just pull them off 
and uh, and then that way the plant doesn't waste the energy. And plus, if it is a fungus, you're getting rid of that right away. So, okay, great. Thank you so much. Have a great you're weekend. Welcome. You too. Thank you so okay. much. Bye bye. Bye, Jessica. Bye bye. Yeah, and dahlias can be uh, this a plant that you'll love growing. It gives you lots of color. Um, those sunny spots, um, just gorgeous. Great for centerpieces of big pots as well. Um, so dahlias, beautiful. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open after the break, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's mostly cloudy and four degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Megan Cobb. Canada has become the latest country to ban Russian aircrafts from entering its airspace. Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra announced the flight ban this morning, saying the move was being taken in retaliation for Russia's decision to attack Ukraine. Meanwhile, the office of the Ukrainian president has confirmed a delegation will meet with Russian officials. The two sides plan to meet at an unspecified location and time on the Belarusian border. And starting tomorrow, the need to get a COVID-19 PCR test before landing in Canada will end. Instead, you'll be able to use a rapid antigen test, but it does need to be done by a lab or healthcare entity. The clouds will clear this afternoon. We'll reach a high of 7 degrees, a few clouds overnight with a low of minus 3, mainly cloudy, and 4 degrees tomorrow. It's 4 degrees. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 11. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm going to go to the phone lines. And if you'd like to join, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I'm learning, too, that there's a couple uh, local mushroom guys here as well that uh, we're going to chat with as well. And uh, I just see there's one that's up in Strathmore. He's actually growing them. He grows them for a lot of restaurants and things like that. So I'll just do a bit more research and chat with a couple more. But I think that's uh, it's an interesting topic. And uh, so we get to, to learn a little bit more about it. Right now, I'm going to go to the phone line. I'm going to go to Mark. Good morning, Mark. Hi, how are you? Good, good. How can I help you? Um I put away the geraniums uh, last fall, as you were talking about. I dug them out, shook the dirt off, put them in um, car- or paper bags, and then yep. stacked them in cardboard, put them in my garage, which is basically at five degrees constantly. Now, what do I do with them, and when do I take them out? So you probably want to pull them out here. We're getting into March. The days are getting longer. <coughs> so what I would do is I'd pull them out. And sort of just tidy them up, sort of have a look at, sort of see which is shriveled, totally brown. So just trim up any of the stems, um, plant it into a good fresh soil, good potting soil, uh, probably, depending on the size of them, probably a six or eight inch pot. Um, water them really well, let them go into a good sunny location, and they should just start taking off for you right away. And okay. a couple of weeks, probably hit them with a 15, 30, 15 uh, fertilizer. Just let them get settled a bit first. Like let them start drawing some water up in that before you okay. before you fertilize. But uh, you should be good to go. And right now is a great time because I said our days are definitely getting longer now, and uh, and they should start going from there. Okay, excellent. Thanks very much. All right, how many did you do? Uh, about a dozen. Oh, awesome. 
Yeah. Well, let me yeah. know how it all goes. I was curious to see how that goes. And uh, if you have any pictures, you can just text them to the same picture or okay. to the same phone line. I'll probably do them this week, and then I'll give you a call next week or the week after and show you how they went. Sounds great. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Yeah, it's always uh, – I've never done it that way. I've always done the stock plants, um, grow them to a certain size, and then take cuttings. Um, typically, we'd start taking cuttings February, March. Um, and then root them up and then repot them into uh, into four and six inch pots that way. Um, I've never really stored them, but interesting to see how how they go and uh, and how that's worked and how they can sit and just go dormant and for you, which is pretty cool. And again, if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open. We got a couple more texts. Is it possible to plant tulips in the spring, just as the ground thaws? Um, typically no, because they need to go through that vernalization period. They need to go through that cold period. And that's sort of what over the winter does. Um, if you were to, um, pause, still, maybe if you put them out in the unheated garage, um, right now, um, for eight weeks and then try and plant them at that time, you could see if that might work, but they do need that cold period and that really gets them going and then ready to to sprout up in the springtime um, but we're probably getting a little bit late but you could still try it put it in a like i said the coolest place um i've heard some people try and do it put it in the in the in your uh produce crisper in the fridge um you can give that a try um but it's cool cool place and and but they do need that to to get going so Anyways, here I got a couple other ones. Okay. And I got one more text here. Hi, Merle. I'm from Drayton Valley and was wondering when to start my tuberous begonias. Enjoy the show. Um, right now is actually a great time to start a lot of that. You can start your dahlias, your your gladiolas, your begonias, a lot of this stuff you can you can plant now and uh, and get it ready for spring. So we started March, April, and then we get ready to put them outside in May. So, yeah, anytime sort of now mid-March is perfect. Days are getting long enough where you're going to do it. Just watch. You don't keep your, your tubers too wet. The first couple times you water them really good. But then after that, as soon as they start sprouting up, just slow down on the water because a lot of those ones are a little bit more drought tolerant. So just ensure that you're not watering too much at that point and because you don't want to rot them away. And I'm going to go to the phone line. I got Peggy. Good morning, Peggy. Uh, good morning, Merle. I have hey a there, question. How can I... Hi. Okay. How can I help you? Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. I have a Katoni Aster hedge between myself and my neighbor. Yeah. Um, we cut it back right almost to the ground because it got uh, that, um, is it the fire blight, they call it? Yeah. In it. Uh, unfortunately, it took a while to... Um, uh, talked the neighbor into it, so they were not in very good shape by the time uh, they got cut down. And I'm wondering how to rejuvenate that hitch because um, it's not very happy. Okay, so what you want to do is you, you cut it back last fall, right? Uh, actually, now it'll be a year ago last fall. Okay, and, and how low did you go? Um, about four inches off the ground. Okay, perfect. So the main thing is is that when you do that is to clean it up really good as well. And okay. and then there and then 
I like to actually even put a little bit of bark mulch and then get a soaker hose and then ensure that you feed it uh, because they have all that old deadwood. The soil's been depleted and they're, they're starving typically. So, um, so what you want to do is you could add some good granular fertilizer or a liquid fertilizer, like a 20, 20, 20, but I'd feed them sort of once every once a week for, for four weeks. And then every couple of weeks after that, just to get it really going and then just stop fertilizing in July. End of July, you can stop fertilizing. But that'll really just get it back up and going and thriving because it has a lot of root system. But with it being so dry last fall or, and through the summer, and if, you, if it wasn't really getting fed or nothing, there's just nothing there for it. So you got to help supplement it and get it regenerated, rejuvenated. So soaker cool. hoses and fertilizer, you should be good to go. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Okay, and then just keep an eye on it. If there's any dead wood and stuff that you can see in there, just try to tidy it up as best, and then just keep an eye on that, on the scale and that as it grows as well. And if you start seeing it die back a bit, just cut it back early. All right, I'll do that. All right, right. thanks, Biggie. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, and I'm going to take a quick break. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403 nine seven four eight two five five you're listening to let's talk gardening on 770 chqr welcome back to let's talk gardening and i'm going to go right to the phone lines and go to tom good morning tom hi tom hello maybe not Renee, do we got Tom there? All right. Okay. Well, then we'll go to Maurice. Good morning, Maurice. Good morning. Um, morning. How can I help you? So what I have is a um, a winter greenhouse. Okay. And um, most things get going for about a month really well, and then um, then the leaves start turning yellow. And what I think it is is um, I use well water and it and it just concentrates in the plant and then wrecks the plant. So the pH of the water is eight, and the uh, total alkalinity and it's mostly from calcium carbonate is three hundred eighty milligrams per liter. How do I treat that water? Uh, you have to get yeah some of it. You'll have to get like a um, like you can get a a water treatment system put in um and and for that yeah because you're a little high because typically plants love the between six and seven when you get to that eight and nine it gets a little bit harder on them for sure oh yeah so um yeah some of that is just unfortunately and that is the problem with some of our well waters and things like that in alberta um some some areas are really really high very acidic and uh, but you can I know there's um, there's some companies out there that provide those uh, treatment systems you can get for your water. Right. Uh, you can try and collect rainwater as well. Some of that might help. Um, yeah, I do use melt snow in the winter, but it uses more water than the snow. I have time to melt, but it's a twenty. It's a twelve year 
or 12 months rather uh greenhouse uh, so it, okay uh, is there yeah. any way like if like what i've done in some areas i've put a tank down into the ground and i collect the rainwater and i fill the tank underground and if you can right. go a little bit deeper you can um and if it can be close enough to the thing you might be able to try and get that to go on a year-round basis exactly yeah well, i'll give it so, a try yeah, I've done some of those, like, and that helps. It's amazing how much water you get off the roof and that, and the melting, and uh, and then you just put a submersible pump in there, and you get your own little irrigation system. So, excellent. Okay, well, all right, thanks. all right. Thanks, Morris. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, yeah, that's uh, and that is an issue. It's amazing. You start going east, and uh, in some of the areas where. The water and that is really really hard um, lots of salt content and some of those things you don't realize what it's doing to your plants until a lot of the damage is done I know just on the east side if you just drive out there you'll see lots of white crust all over the soil and things like that so it's just it, it is hard so but there is some there is some treatment um, places and I think a lot of that has come down in cost so uh, see what you can do and hopefully find something like that. Um, all right. And I'm just going to go to Tom. Good morning, Tom. Hi. I've got hey. a few mint plants and there's lots of flies on them. Will neem oil work on that to get rid of the flies or what should I do? Um, neem oil will work, but a lot of it is the cause too. You're probably watering a little bit too much. So what those are is fungus gnats, and the, the cause of that is typically overwatering, so keeping the soil too wet, and then that okay. creates those little fungus gnats. Um, so what I would do is just try and stir the soil up a bit, like get a even like a, a fork or something to stir the soil, aerate the soil a bit, let it dry right. out, and you can spray the 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 soil with the neem oil. Um, insecticidal spray or we have these mosquito dunks um, it's something that you put into a pond and that to get rid of the mosquito larvae this you put the mosquito dunk in your water can and let it dissolve and then you water your plants with it and then it kills all the um, the baby fungus gnats and any of that this and so they they don't reproduce that way will it harm the plants at all um no, it just becomes a bit of a nuisance, and if you let it go too long, it just you get more and more of them. So, but what I do is just definitely slow down on the watering, aerate the soil, put it in a good sunny spot. Um, that will slowly get rid of it because once you get rid of the fungus, they don't like it and they don't like living in a dry environment. So you could try that as well. Okay, thank you very much. All right, thanks. Yeah, that is probably one of the biggest problems we have. Uh, Right now, here is um, at this time of year and, and going into the winter is is the is the fungus gnats people growing it, and there is some some of the chemical things that you can use uh, pH pH up and down in the soil when you're watering. I'm not sure if it if you if it, it'll counteract. Dwight just sent me a picture of uh, some of the stuff he tries using. Um, but it, it probably would work that way. Uh, it just depends on, on if you're watering all the time, you're adding it at a high concentrate pH, and then you're totally counteracting with with another product. You might be able to keep it balanced that way for sure. 
uh, might be worth a try. And there's a couple pH level kits that we have down at the store. There's a root farm and there's some other ones that you can get. Um, but I, it'd be nice if you could get that solved with the, with the product itself, um, getting the good healthy water. And if you can treat it ahead of time, it uh, definitely makes it a little bit better than trying to to fight with that on a daily basis. Right now, I'm going to take a quick break. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I guess we only have a few minutes left in the show, but if you want to squeeze in, um, we could definitely get you in couple things I'd like to mention. Um, if you have any elm trees, right now is a great time. And you only have until the end of March to prune your to elm trees um, to help prevent the, the Dutch elm disease. And uh, so you definitely want to get them looked after as well. And also any other pruning, um, right now is a great time to do that. As you can see, all the structure. I'm just looking out at my... Uh, my Schuberts, I think I need to call them and, and get a little pruning job done too. I need some thinning. I got lots of crisscrossing branches and things like that. So definitely time to do a little bit of pruning on on some of my trees as well. So um, have a look outside on your trees if you see any of that dead damage or disease um, things right now is the time you want to get that cut out and, uh, and dealt with um, and get ready for for feeding in the spring, it's it's going to come quick. I can't believe it's going to be March, um, and that's uh, a couple of days. So it's uh, it's amazing how quick this is uh, is coming at us. So um, a couple other things that you want to do is is looking out into the garden, any other spots. And right now is a good time because you kind of get the cover of the snow. We've lived through the whole blah of the winter. Get out and taking a look and see what empty spots you have in the yard, like. And just see, okay, hey, it'd be good to add uh, uh, evergreen. And that's what I find typically most needed. And mountain pines are a great little evergreen. They get a little bit big eventually, but they stay seven, eight feet wide. They get about 10, 12 feet high. So they're great for most yards in Calgary. They're a great evergreen and they're hardy. And they give you that really nice green look. They give you the, some pine cones. And a little different than a big spruce tree, which which are great, but you need the big space for them. Like if you get that spruce tree growing, it, it they get big. So I really like these mountain pines. Like they they just grow um, perfect, give you that winter color, nice green foliage on them, the needles, and like I said, I've had very good luck with the survival rate of them. Um, they work really good. And a couple other texts here. Do you have a caller? Okay. Actually, okay. I got a caller thing. I'm going to go to Jessica. Good morning, Jessica. Hey there. I have a um, weeping birch in our front yard that okay. has the birch leaf miner. And so we've never treated it before. Really want to kind of preserve the biodiversity there. And so we're a little bit hesitant to do something. But I think we've had a couple of them go on the street. So I worry that ours is next here. And we just yep. love this tree. What would you recommend doing? I would definitely recommend you. I'd give Mark a shout with our Prudent Up Division. We come out, we do an injection on it. Okay. And trays on and it, it's a systemic, and that's what they've they've taken the systemics off the market. 
and unfortunately that's the only way to treat the the birch leaf miner is that we got to inject it because when the birch leaf miner comes it comes as a fly and then it gets in as a larvae and then it starts eating the leaves from the inside out yeah so and that's the best way and typically you get a one to two year residual on it um, but to get a big one in shape we might want to do it two or three years in a row and then you could probably skip a couple years and then go from there um, the other product is Rage Plus. They love being, for whatever reason, I'm not sure why, they love Rage Plus. Yeah. Um, and the deep watering, um, so get a soaker hose underneath it around the drip line, let that soaker hose go for, like I said, once a week at least, give it a good, really good drink and fertilize it, like starting in early May. And you can start with the Rage Plus a couple times and then do that right through the summer. They just love it. It, they just, it really fulfills, it regenerates the birch tree because there's so many branches and leaves on a birch tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just never seen a plant react so well to one product. And it's that <laughs> seaweed-based. Um, and like I said, I, they just there's a picture of it right by in our store of one of our clients, one of our customers bought it. Half their tree was dead on the top. And they took the Rage Plus, they used it on their birch tree. And three or four weeks later, they came in, they did another picture, and it was leafed right to the top. So, okay, yeah. Perfect. And, We've used the Rage Plus, but we still have these miners. Like, you can see them in the summertime in the leaves. Yeah. And just, yeah, gross. And the only way to treat it is to, is is with the trees on. So, okay. um, yeah, so you probably want to get Mark booked in there fairly soon. Uh, you can give him a shout, and he'll come out and give you a quote, get you booked in. And awesome. get that treated first thing in the spring for you. And yeah, there's nothing more beautiful than a good, healthy birch tree. So oh, I'm, we gl- love I'm it. glad you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. All Thanks right. so much. You're welcome. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. Yeah, that's, uh, there's a few things that, and, and the product that used to be used was a little bit nasty as well. The Saigon used to stink as a systemic. Um, I do have one variety, and I'm wondering why it doesn't seem to get. I have a paper birch down um, in the lower part down at Spruce Up. It just grows so healthy; it never gets the birch leaf miner. And I, I don't know if it's the variety or or what it is, but it's it's down by the river or down by the creek. Sorry, so it gets lots of moisture. Maybe that's it. This extra moisture it doesn't. Uh, the bugs have a hard time to catch up on it, but it just does really, really well. And and uh, I got one more quick text here. Good morning. What soil do you recommend for a new raised bed? Um, I would start, depends how big they are. Some of the soilless mixes, we have a good organic soil. Our spruce up all-purpose potting mix is great. If you're doing larger quantities, you might want to get into more of the actual loam-based. Um, we have a green it up. The big yellow bags are good as well. Um, get the garden mix. Um, any of those are great. And... And, uh, yeah, get going. We won't be long before we'll be doing that here soon. Start seeing the green or the big yellow bags popping up all over the place. So looking forward to that because that means spring is here. And we are done here for today. So just like to say thank you to everybody calling in, participating. Thanks to Tracy with the grow lights and Jonathan with the mushrooms and to everybody called in. And we'll get our garden on right here next week on 770 CHQR.